How many of you like to receive gifts? Now, I, for one, quite enjoy getting presents. I quite enjoy that thoughtful gesture. It's, it's uh, maybe I just like stuff. Maybe that's what it comes down to. Um, I like to purge, but I also, there's a part of me that likes to hold on to things. And so, uh, bottom line is though, is I like gifts. And if you're like me, throw a hand up today in the comments or turn to the person next to you and say, hey, I like gifts. Now, today we're talking about a special gift that God sent to the early church. This gift is something that God actually wants to give to you and to me as well. And so I'm going to invite you this morning to open your heart, open your mind, and let God pour out his spirit on you and give you one of the greatest gifts that God could offer. But let's pause there for a moment as you hold on to that thought. And let's begin to pray right now as we enter into this part of our online experience. And now if you're listening to this uh, on Sunday morning uh, of May of 2021, uh, then I am encouraging you to join with me in prayer in this moment. If you're watching or listening to this experience later uh, in your car online, whatever the case is, I'm going to encourage you to, whatever you're doing, pause and pray with us in this moment. Not a fancy prayer, not some elaborate prayer, but something rather simple that goes like this. Heavenly Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that we who have gathered here today, online, across our communities on the North Shore, across our province, across our nation, and maybe even around the world. Jesus, I pray for every single one of us in this moment that we would have eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts and minds that are open to receive the Holy Spirit today. I pray in this moment, and as we journey through Scripture in these next few moments together, that you would reveal to us the work that you want to see accomplished here on the North Shore, through North Shore Church. Lord, I pray that we would be able to see visions and have dreams of what you want to do in our own lives and through our own lives. I pray over these next few moments, oh God, that we would uh, be inspired through your word, through your Holy Spirit, and through the stories that we'll share today in these next few moments. I pray that we would be ready and willing, oh God, to take a step of faith, Lord, and allow your Holy Spirit to fill us up in this moment. I thank you in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. See, not too fancy of a prayer, something elaborate, not something complicated. Essentially saying, hey God, we want to hear from you. We want to take these next few minutes and we want to experience your Holy Spirit. And so let's read some scripture today. And this is a very amazing story. In fact, this story serves an very, a very important role in the history of the church because it actually is the story of the birth of the church. Now, there is a great amount of excitement when a new baby is born into any family. But, you know, the, the moment when you uh, express to your loved ones that you're going to have a baby, there's usually, it's usually followed by some sort of a great moment of joy and tears. And now, <clears throat> I can speak for personal experience. 
the first time we ever told our my mother in particular that we were expecting our first child and I said to my mom I called her and she was living um, in northern Ontario we were down in southern Ontario and I called her on the phone and I said hey you're starting your new job tomorrow yep that's right I said uh, well you have to go by A&W tomorrow you should go to A&W for lunch that would be nice wouldn't it and she kind of goes yeah why and I said well when you go to A&W I would suggest that you pick up a grandma burger and there is this awkward weird pause on the phone and then a moment of celebration because she clicked in that for the very first time she would become a grandmother now those stories are stories of excitement because they're stories of birth and now this obviously it's not the story of a birth of a child but it is a story of the birth of the church and it is a rather exciting time in history it's a very uncertain time it's a very confusing time but it also is a moment where it brings a lot of assurance a lot of confidence a lot of boldness and a lot of authority to the disciples of jesus who are here waiting for god to do what god promised he would do they're waiting for jesus to do what jesus said he would do a few weeks ago we went to acts chapter 1 verse 8 and Jesus gave the instructions to the disciples. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait. I am sending you a helper. Go into Jerusalem and wait. And I am sending you a helper. And today's story, as we will discover, takes place at this moment. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to Acts chapter 2. We're going to read this together. I'm reading from the New Living Translation today. Acts chapter 2. It says, on the day of Pentecost. All right, let's pause there. Pentecost is approximately, actually it's exactly 50 days from the Passover, which is the day that Jesus was crucified. So Pentecost means essentially 5, 50, penta, 50 days after Passover, Pentecost is happening. So on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages, as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. All right, lots of important things to pay attention to here. We're going to continue reading in just a second. But let me draw your attention to one line in particular. It's called tongues of fire. Came from heaven, kind of sounded like a mighty rushing wind or a great windstorm. Now, uh, this is important because uh, fire was often... Uh, associated with the presence of God throughout the Old Testament. Uh, there's a really cool story. Uh, it happens with a prophet named Elijah, and he was one of God's spokespeople toward the king and to the Israelites. And there was a season where Israel had turned their back on God, and they had turned their attention to false gods. And there were these other prophets of a god called Baal, and they said to Elijah, and they were kind of mocking him and his God. And 
really the true God. He was mocking them. And so they kind of put together a little wager and a little bet. And so they said, let's both build a temple and whichever God lights the fire, we will know who the true God is. Well, of course, the prophets of Baal, they worshiped a false God. They worshiped an idol. It wasn't actually God. And so they they built themselves uh, an altar. They put their 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 sacrifice on the, on the altar. And then they prayed to their gods of Baal and nothing happened. And then you can continue to read. They began to tear their clothes. They began to cut themselves and call out in a loud voice. And nothing happens. Finally, they give up and they give an Elijah the opportunity to let God show up. And so Elijah says, look, we built these temp- well, these, these altars and we, we did this, we did that. We put our sacrifices on the altars. Let's, let's up it up a little bit here. He says, go fetch a couple pails of water and pour water on the altar. Now, of course, you would know that water and fire don't go together, right? You're going to put water and you're going to put the fire out. And Elijah says, go get some water. And so they drench the altar in water. And then Elijah prays, he calls out to God, and instantly a holy, mighty fire falls from heaven and burns up his altar. And in that moment, the people cry out, the Lord is God, the Lord is God. And so we see that fire is very much associated with the presence of God. And so in this moment, on the day of Pentecost, we see that the fire has once again fallen from heaven, and it has taken home in the hearts and in the bodies of these believers that have gathered there. And this holy fire is a sign that this is the presence of God. This isn't just some scientific happenstance. This isn't just some uh, fluke thing that's taking place. No, this is a clear evidence that this is from God. This is what Jesus was talking about when he said that he would send a helper. And so the holy fire fell, and then it says they began to speak in other languages. Let's keep reading today. They began to speak in other languages, and here's the part that that is important to pay attention to. As the Spirit enabled them, or as the Spirit had given them ability. Now let's pause and talk about the Holy Spirit here for just a moment. We oftentimes hear the Holy Spirit referred to as He. As, you know, same as we would refer to God. You know, God, He said this, or He is doing that. We often refer to the Holy Spirit as He, as opposed to talking about the Holy Spirit as an it. You know, the Holy Spirit, we refer to either just by name, the Holy Spirit, or Holy Spirit, but we use we use personal pronouns simply because the Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is a person of the Trinity. If you don't know what the Trinity is, let me tell you really quickly what it is. We have the Father, or let's let's break it down even more. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One God in three forms. One God, three forms. God the Father, say it with me. God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. One more time, let's say it together. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. There, just want to make sure you're with me this morning. Make sure you're awake. Make sure you're participating. But the Holy Spirit is a real person in the Godhead. The Holy Spirit is just as much God as Jesus is. 
The Holy Spirit is just as much God as God the Father is. And God has poured out himself through the person of the Holy Spirit onto the believers of the early church. Here we read on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Well, why would he do that? Well, let's keep reading and find out. Verse 5 says this. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by the believers. All right, so pay attention to this. They had Jews in Jerusalem gathered, likely because there was a feast, it was Pentecost, gathered from all over the world, or the known world at the time, and there were Jews that were scattered among the nations who were meeting in Jerusalem at this time. So because they were from other nations, they spoke other languages. But when they heard the disciples in Jerusalem speaking different languages, they began to recognize their language. Let's keep reading here. In verse 7, they were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people who are speaking, these people are all from Galilee. And yet we hear them speaking in our own native language. Here we are from all over the world, and we hear these Galilean Jews speaking our language. A language they should not know how to speak. A language they don't know how to speak. Now, we did a series a couple, was it last, two years ago, called Called to Follow. And we looked at all the 12 uh, disciples that Jesus had called. And the 12 different personalities. Now, most of these men, minus the one that betrayed him, Judas Iscariot, were average, ordinary, everyday people. They weren't scholars. They weren't leaders. They weren't educated all that well. And so these men are all part of the people that are gathered waiting for Jesus to send the helper. And these are the people who begin to speak in languages they had never learned before. And it leaves the crowd amazed. Verse 12, let's jump ahead here. Or verse 11. It says, And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages and this is what they're speaking about. They're speaking about the wonderful things that God has done. So they hear this voice. They hear a sound like a mighty rushing wind. They begin to see fire that is clearly from God. It's clearly a sign that is the presence of God. And then they begin to speak other languages. And the languages and the words that they are speaking begin to proclaim the wonderful, magnificent beautiful things of God and what God has done. Verse 12, they stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, they're just drunk, that is all. Now, I like this line, they're just drunk, that is all. Uh, some translations say they've just had too much wine. I like that translation better that says they've had too much wine because the word in there, the word wine that they use in the Greek 
typically referred to an unfermented type of wine. And so this comment that they're talking about is really more of a sarcastic tone of voice. Now, I don't know if you've ever played the game telephone. It's where you kind of sit in a circle full of people and you one person comes up with a word or a phrase and they whisper it in the ear of that person and then they whisper it to the ear of the next person and it goes all around the circle and you come back and you hear the translation of, of what it comes out to be and it's usually something completely different. It's kind of like that whole lost in translation moment, of course, where uh, if you've ever uh, had a miscommunication with someone because you didn't understand what they said, maybe because it was an accent, maybe because it was translated, if you really want something fun, you can go to YouTube and there's a couple YouTube artists out there that take the lyrics of a popular culture song and they run it through Google Translate a bunch of times and they spit it back out into English and then they start to sing the words that are all wrong and make absolutely no sense at all. But here's what takes place in this moment. In this word that they use for wine, it's really this sarcastic comment. Well, we know that those are the disciples of Jesus. And from our understanding, they didn't get drunk. They drank essentially grape juice, unfermented wine. And so they're kind of going, hey, like we know these guys. We know what they do. We know what they don't do. What must be in that wine that they're drinking that they're behaving this way? It's like saying they're, it's like they're drunk as if they actually are. It's a really nice kind of sarcastic tone. And I say nice because... If you don't know anything about me, I have a lot of sarcastic comments that I like to make. Sometimes really obvious and sometimes not so obvious and subtle. But they say, surely what is wrong with them? They're saying all of these things and it just seems crazy to us. It is so far-fetched, it seems crazy to us. Therefore, they must have had too much wine. All right, getting too much on that wine thing. Get back to the notes, Pastor Gary. But what can this mean? They ask, what can this mean? Here they are, speaking languages they don't know how to speak, saying amazing things about what God has done, but wonderful things that God has done. And then as Peter overhears them talking, as Peter hears them make these sarcastic comments and really kind of be like, what's going on here? He stands up to the crowd. He steps forward with the other 11 disciples and apostles. And he shouts to the crowd, listen carefully, all you fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. It's nine o'clock in the morning, much too early for that. Now you have seen what was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. And this is what the prophet Joel spoke many hundreds of years earlier. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Now, your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. I will cause wonders in heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark, the moon will turn blood red, but before the great and glorious day of the Lord arrives, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be 
saved. Peter continues, people of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew that would happen and prearranged a plan that was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of the lawless Gentiles, he nailed him to the cross and killed him. Very important, verse 24. But God released him from the horrors of death, raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. All right. I get a little excited when I read this because this is why we exist. There's amazing stories that begin to take place and unfold out of this moment. Remember, this is the birth story of the church. This is the moment where the church begins to, to have its very first breath, so to speak. Now, my daughter is now seven years old, come this coming week that you will have watched or heard this message. She's not like that little baby that we brought home from the hospital. She's rather tall and giantish, if you would ask me and look at her now. But there is some really cool moments that took place watching her change week to week, month to month, year to year. And as we begin to explore this story from the book of Acts, this is the very first moments of the church. And in those very first moments, God sends his power. He gives them a language to speak about the wonderful things, the powerful things, the glorious things of God. And if you keep reading, Peter gives kind of a really quick synopsis, a quick version of why Jesus came to this earth. Why God is doing what God is doing. And as he concludes his message that day, it says over 3,000 people gave their lives to Jesus in that moment. 3,000 people signed up to be a part of this new living church. 3,000 people turned from their old ways and turned into the hope of Jesus. 3,000 people left their old life behind, took a step of faith, and said, I want to receive what these men and women have received. I want to partake in the good things of God. I want to do what God is calling me to do. I want to be saved. I want to call on the name of the Lord and have my life redeemed forever. 3,000 people stepped forward in this moment. Now, a few weeks ago, we did a series called Expanding Circles. You may remember it. If you didn't have an opportunity to listen to that series, you can always go to our website and listen to it again. You can find it at thenorthshore.church slash media, and you can find Expanding Circles. You can search any place on our website, the little search icon, Expanding Circles. And we did a three-part series about the book of Acts. We took the verse of Acts 1.8 when Jesus said, You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea, Samaria to the ends of the earth. And we covered from Acts 1 right to the end of the book. 
a great amount of amazing stories that take place in there of the birth of the church and the expansion of the church and the growth of the church. But we also get into the persecution of the church and the challenges that they faced in their infancy. You know, as you take a step of faith to follow Jesus, you're going to have some great moments. You're going to have some great feelings. You're going to feel really good, but it's also going to be followed by some great challenges. Maybe things that you never thought you'd have to face before because everything is new. Just as our children learn to walk, they don't just get up one day and walk without ever falling down. At least I've never heard of a child that's done that. They got to fall down and get a few bruises a few times. One of my kid was often covered in bruises, some of you would remember. But there's going to be some stumbling blocks along the way. There's going to be some things that are going to be hard to work through as you grow from this infant stage of your faith. But it's going to be one of the most incredible journeys, one of the most incredible adventures of your life. I fully believe that God wants to do something absolutely phenomenal and incredible in your life. I 100% absolutely without a shadow of a doubt believe that God wants to do something supernatural. Something when people look at you, they think, now I don't want to be weird for the sake of being weird. I don't want to be crazy for the sake of being crazy. But let, let me tell you this today. I want people to look at you and think that maybe you are a little bit crazy because of the amount of joy that you have. Because of the things that you say and the things that you do that talk about the goodness and the wonders of who God is. I kind of want people to look at us and go, what is so different about them that they have so much joy? They have, surely they must be drunk. What kind of wine are they drinking? What kind of gift have they received to be able to do the things that they do? To overcome the things that they overcome? To be able to speak in a language that, they don't ever, that they've never learned and they don't understand? I want you to have that same power that was poured out on this day of Pentecost so that you would have, I'm trying to remember the, word, the, the actual verse here now, but it says, as they left this spot, that they left with boldness and they left with authority. They left with boldness and they left with authority. Now, two topics we can, we can explore another time. But I want you to be able to walk in confidence after this message today. I want you to be able to walk in boldness to know that wherever you go, the Spirit is with you. So that when you lay your hands on somebody who is sick, and you begin to pray for them, whatever illness they have will disappear in Jesus' name through the power of the Holy Spirit that has now been poured out on you. If you don't know what's going to get people to talk about Jesus, I would ask Jesus to give you the opportunity and the privilege and the honor to perform a few miracles through the power of the Holy Spirit. And then people will begin to question and, and begin to understand just how powerful God is. Much like the priests of Baal and the, and the prophets of Baal and the, and the Israelites standing there, that as they saw the power of God, the fire of God in that moment, they got totally overwhelmed and excited and realized that the Lord is God as they called out to him. As you walk about your day, as you begin to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit and seek the work of the Holy Spirit, I truly believe 
that you will have an opportunity for people to see God do extraordinary things through your life. Now, I mentioned this word of boldness. I mentioned the word courage. It also says they walked with authority. You know, God, as he pours out his spirit on you, he's giving you permission to be his hands and his feet. He's giving you permission to go to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You know, Joel's prophecy was that the Lord would pour out his spirit on all flesh, on men and women, on children, on old senior citizens. The young and the old, they'd have visions, they'd have dreams. They'd walk with the spirit. You know, that tells me that this message is for people of all nations. It tells me that this message of hope that the Spirit of God is for all generations. It's one of the reasons we have futures as a core value on our wall. Because God wants to use our children. He wants to use our youth and our students. He wants to use our young adults. He wants to use our middle-aged adults. He wants to use our seniors. He wants to use our men, our women, our boys, our girls. He wants to pour out his spirit on all flesh so that all flesh would declare the good things of God. So that all flesh would call out and be saved as they call out on the name of Jesus, as they call out the name of the Lord. Now, I want to give you an opportunity in this moment to pause what we're doing. I want to give you an opportunity to take a few moments and begin to seek the Lord. You know, if we were in person in a, in a church setting in the traditional sense, I would probably have either some music go and play just to kind of fill up the silence of the moment. I would maybe even invite you, if you wanted to take a bold step of faith, to leave your chair or to leave where you're sitting and even come to the front as just a, as a, as a physical step of faith to, to as a, kind of almost really like a mental uh, ideology moment. Say, hey, I'm going to take this step of faith. And I want to receive the Holy Spirit. Remember I said this is one of the greatest gifts. Like a child is one of the greatest moments of celebration for a family. I want to give you the opportunity to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Now, last week I talked about, about um, the Holy Spirit living inside of us. That's different because this week is about having power from the Holy Spirit to do the works that God has called us to do. I want to give you an opportunity in this moment to pause. And so wherever you are, I would encourage you, maybe even as a family, that you would even just hold hands together in the room. Maybe it's a little bit different, a little bit odd. Maybe it's maybe uncomfortable. You know, these guys, they waited at least three days in the upper room together. As they were gathered in Jerusalem, they went and they waited on the Lord. I want to encourage you, take a few moments and wait on the Lord. Take a few minutes and let the presence of God come into your home, come into your vehicle, wherever you are in this moment. Take a few minutes and you can close your eyes, you can open your eyes, you can sit, you can stand. But I would encourage you to take a posture. Maybe you need to just pause and put your hands out like this, as if you're ready to receive a gift. And there's nothing magical about it. There's nothing 
overly spiritual about it other than taking a posture that communicates to your brain, that communicates to your heart, that is a symbol towards God saying, Father, I'm ready to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. I encourage you in these next few minutes, stand with your arms open, ready to receive the power of God. Now, he may give you a foreign language to speak. Take a moment and celebrate and be excited. He may give you a word of encouragement for somebody else. Take that word, write it down, send it in a message, call the person. Maybe it's for a person in the room with you right now. But take a posture and be ready and willing to listen to the voice of God. Be ready and willing to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Because God has called you to do great things in his name. Because there are a lot of people that need to experience the hope that Jesus brings. And he does that by pouring out his spirit and using average, ordinary, everyday people like you and like me. Doing supernatural things in the natural world. Heavenly Father, I pray as we have gathered online for this moment. I pray that our hearts would be ready to receive, our minds would be ready to comprehend. God, I pray that our, our bodies would just begin to take a posture, ready to receive from you in this moment, the power of your Holy Spirit. Because Lord, you have called us, you have done great things. You have done amazing things. Lord, you defeated death. Death could not hold you down. Lord, there is no sting in death anymore. You've defeated the greatest fear that everyone has to some extent is that we are going to die. We're going to get hurt. Or we're going to get sick and we're going to die. And that'll be it. We'll be over. We'll be separated. But God, we have a hope today that we will live forever with you. That we will not have to be afraid because you defeated death. Lord, you defeated darkness. You defeated illness. You defeated, Lord, sickness. You defeated pain. And so today we receive from your Holy Spirit, oh God, so we can share the joy and the love that we have, that you have for others. I pray that we'd be ready to receive, Lord, from you in this moment. So we can do the things that we can't do in our own strength. But we can do it supernaturally through the power of the Holy Spirit. So come, Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit, come. We are waiting here for you. So take these moments as we play some song, as you play this music here, take a moment and receive the Holy Spirit. And when you do, tell somebody. When you do, send me a message, say, Pastor Gary, guess what? You'll never guess what happened. You'll never guess what I felt. Tell your neighbors. Be a little bit weird. Let them think you're drunk or something. Now, don't be weird for the sake of being weird. But go and celebrate what God has done and going to do. And if you pause and you wait and you feel nothing, continue to pursue the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Because God meets every one of us differently. It's not always the same. So if, you, if, you, if you're in a position, it just seems quiet and silent, nothing's happening. That's okay. Keep pursuing God. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to sing this song very practical song. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Thank you so much. God bless. Mm -hmm.